the story here. I, I think I told you this morning, I, I preached through uh, the book of Joshua early on, uh, but this chapter, I didn't, there was no message from it. Uh, I was looking at it again, uh, and just hopefully God will give us something that will bless us tonight. Uh, you know, there is something in every piece of God's Word for us, you know, no matter if we're in the New Testament, the Old Testament, and I thank God for that, you know. If you've read any number of books, there are some good books out there. There's some good uh, books that'll teach you things. There's some good books that'll entertain you, uh, but there is no book like this Bible. You know, if you, the more you read, the more you realize there is no way you know, one of the arguments is man put this together. There is a 0% chance a man or a group of men put this together. It's an impossibility. There's no way, uh, if you've read enough, there's no way you could make something so coherent over time where authors, most of them never met each other. It just doesn't work that way and continues to be relevant uh, after thousands of years. So that uh, that's just an impossibility, but I'm glad we can get into the book of Joshua. It is one of my favorite books. This is a um, a book about getting things done. It's a, uh, there, it's a book about battle, but more than battle, it's a book about courage and trusting the Lord uh, to fight for you. So I think it's just as relevant today, even though we're not fighting literal battles with swords and everything else, we are fighting spiritual battles uh, and I'm glad we can learn from Joshua. Uh, so let's look at Joshua 11, 1. And it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazor, had heard those things uh, that he had sent to Jobab, king of Madon, uh, and to the king of Shimron, and to the king of Ashshaph, and to, to the kings that were the north of the mountains, and of the plains south of Chinneroth, and in the valley, and in the borders of Dor on the west, and to the Canaanite on the east, and on the west, and to the Amorite, the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Jebusite, in the mountains, and to the Hivite, under Hermon, in the land of Mizpah. Uh, and they went out, they and all their hosts with them, much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore in multitude, with horses and chariots very many. And when all these kings were met together, they came and pitched together at the waters of Miram to fight against Israel. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time will I deliver them up all slain before Israel. Thou shalt hew their horses and burn their cities with fire. So Joshua came and all the people of war with them against them by the waters of Miram suddenly, and they fell upon them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, uh, who smote them and chased them unto great Zidon and unto Mizraphim, Mim, and unto the valley of Mizpah eastward. And they smote them until they left them none remaining. And Joshua did unto them as the Lord bade him. He hewed their horses and burnt their chariots with fire. And Joshua at that time turned back and took Hazor and smote the king thereof with the sword. For Hazor before time was the head of all those kingdoms. And they smote all the souls that were therein with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was not any left to breathe. He burnt Hazor with fire. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to dig into your word. Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask you to teach us tonight. Open up our ears and hearts. Fill me with the unction to preach. And Lord, I pray that we could get something valuable tonight, that we could apply it to our lives. Help us to move forward. Lord, help us in everything. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. 
So Joshua, uh, the book of Joshua, remember it starts with the children of Israel crossing over the Jordan River to start taking the promised land. And it talks about the battles that go on uh, to get the land that God had given them. See, he gave them a land, but there were people already in that land, so they had to take it. Uh, And if you remember, the first major battle of Joshua, of course, is Jericho. Uh, And remember, those city walls fell by faith. Uh, The walls of Jericho fell after they were compassed about seven days. Uh, So you remember they they did what God told them to do. And on that seventh day, uh, they went around seven times. They shouted uh, and the walls fell down. So that was the first major battle was a great victory. Uh, And then the one after that, Ai, uh, initially they were defeated. Remember, that's where Joshua doesn't He doesn't go to the Lord. He doesn't get instructions. He doesn't realize there's sin in the camp. Uh, They get defeated. But once they root out the sin of the camp, once they go to the Lord for instructions, they're then successful. And that, again, that just shows you what happens. So after Ai, uh, we get to chapter 10 of Joshua, and they start conquering the southern part of the promised land. So you see uh, in the southern territory, uh, and in that chapter, chapter 10, the previous one, five kings come together and fight uh, Gibeon, which was the one that kind of tricked them into getting into a league together with the children of Israel. So they had a peace treaty. Uh, Those five kings fight Gibeon, uh, and then Joshua agrees to abide by the peace treaty. He fights alongside of them. And chapter 10 is where Joshua asked the sun and the moon to stand still. So I I did preach a message on that when I went through the series. Uh, Because of that, You know, because it's an amazing thing. You think about, uh, he wants to stay in the fight. He doesn't want the Lord to send down hailstones. He doesn't want the Lord to uh, just get rid of everybody. And he doesn't want to quit because it's late in the day. He says, hey, uh, Lord, if you would just keep the sun and the moon where they're at for almost a whole day, we'll finish the job. Uh, And the Lord did that. Uh, So you think about, that's a huge thing in chapter 10. But then in chapter 11, they returned to their camp in Gilgal. uh, And then they were in the southern part of the promised land now they're heading towards the northern part of the promised land Uh, so you think about uh, as you're going through and as you think about the book of Joshua remember what I said they started out with Jericho that was one city now it was heavily fortified it had two sets of walls Uh, it was a huge city to take it would have been very difficult and probably impossible without the Lord I'll just say it would be impossible without the Lord Uh, but they were able to take Jericho with God's help then in chapter 10 they go against five kings that come together so five kings join together to fight against them and the lord gives them victory now in chapter 11 if you look in the first three verses there are four kings that have names but if you get to chapter 2 it starts talking about areas uh it talks about uh uh, not just the four kings uh but there are uh, the kings from the south the north and the west the canaanites amorites hittites perizzites jebusites and hivites so we have a whole bunch of groups coming together to fight the children of Israel. Uh, Verse four, and they went out, they and all their hosts with them, much people, even as the sand, which is upon the seashore and multitude with horses and chariots, very many. So all of these kings, all these groups, all these cities come together they uh, and there's so many of them they can't even count them. They're like it's just like there's so the army opposing them is just like sand on the seashore. Not only that, they've got horses and chariots, and the children of Israel don't have those. 
So you think about militarily, the other side has a definite advantage. So I don't, I don't know if you're starting to see this, but if you think about this, the, the uh, previous army didn't have chariots and horses. So the five kings that they defeated in chapter 10, where the sun and the moon stood still, they didn't have chariots and horses, but now they have an even bigger enemy with bigger technology, military technology, and they have been fighting for several years now. So you think about, they travel, they fight, they trust the Lord, uh, they're, they're trying to take this land, and it wouldn't have been an easy task. And think about that, it's getting harder. Do you see this? It's getting harder each step of the way. Uh, but remember what God told them, Joshua 1, 9. This is the key verse of the whole book. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither thou uh, be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And that's a good promise to think about, isn't it? Uh, no matter, while they, they were fighting physical battles, we're not doing that. We're fighting spiritual battles. And here's the thing the more you and I walk by faith the greater the challenges come the greater the opposition comes we saw that this morning we in Sunday school uh, when they in Acts chapter 6 where they were picking out the first deacons and uh, the church was really getting blessed and and there were a lot of conversions and there's Stephen one of the first deacons uh, they're they're disputing against him and it said they could not basically they couldn't uh, there was no dispute for his wisdom they had no comeback so that whether they do, they try to destroy him with false witnesses, right? Isn't that what happens uh, as God's people are doing God's will, uh, as we're getting closer to God, as we're more obedient, uh, the enemy ratches up his, uh, uh, their tactics as well. But here's the thing. It didn't matter. The faith, uh, the, the faith that it took to go against the five southern kings uh, is the same faith uh, that they needed to take this same army that was as many as the sand on the seashore. But here's the thing. We can't forget, just like Jericho, remember what the harlot told them? Said that we have heard what your Lord has done, right? Our hearts didn't melt when we heard it. When we, saw, when we heard what you did to those kings on the other side, and then we saw you coming, our hearts melted. We were afraid. We had no courage left in us. And see, uh, that's what the enemy thought inside of the walls of Jericho. And then if you were on the outside and the children of Israel and seeing the city from afar, you'd have thought there's no way we have any chance with that. See, the enemy wants that. He wants you to think about things logically, but instead we need to remember God's in control, right? And you need to remember, just like this morning, the enemy is truly more afraid than we are when they're going against the power of God. He won't admit it, but he is more afraid than we are. They were afraid of the, the God of the children of Israel. And uh, if, if they could make the children of Israel afraid, then they could survive. They had a, a chance for survival. And that's what they were doing in this northern campaign. They said, we've got to bring every single person, every king together, every soldier together. Because maybe, just maybe, just the sheer sight of all that with our horses and chariots, they'll give up. Right? That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to get us to give up because of how bad it seems. And that's the devil's main tactic today. He wants to paralyze us with fear or get us too distracted, too busy, uh, or get us to think on our own or come up with something on our own. 
But the devil has never, ever been able to stop God's people who are led by God, who trust God, who pray to God, and then who give all glory to God. And that was true in Joshua's day. It's still true today with the church, still true with Christians today as well. And then look at verse six. The Lord said unto Joshua, be not afraid because of them for tomorrow about this time uh, will I deliver them all, deliver them up all slain before Israel. Thou shalt hew their horses and burn their chariots with fire. Now, Joshua 1, 5. So at the beginning of all this promised land, this is what God said. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. That was uh, Joshua and the children of Israel. That was their promise from God. So no matter what Joshua faced, he could have taken God at his word. He could have taken that promise from 1-5 and it didn't matter if the enemy started getting bigger. It didn't matter. Uh, they're going to encounter giants and walled cities and everything else is going to happen. Then this group with chariots, this, this group that you can't even number, uh, and all he had to do was tap into that old promise from Joshua 1-5 from several years ago and you realize God never needed to tell Joshua more than once that he was going to fight for him, right? He only had to tell him one time in one five. But aren't you glad that although God didn't need to tell him again, he's giving him an extra reminder of his previous promise. That's what verse six is. He's saying, be not afraid because of them. I'm going to deliver them up before you, all of them. Right? Just like what he said in verse 5 of chapter 1. There shall not uh, any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Nobody's going to be able to go against you. It doesn't matter how many there are. It doesn't matter who you face. But he's saying, listen, I've already told you I'll be with you. I'll not fail you. I'll not forsake you. But I'm going to remind you, don't you be afraid with what you see. Right? Don't be afraid of how many. Because I'm sure they sent scouts out there. I'm sure they looked at how big it was. And it was concerning when the, re- when the reports came back of how many had come against them. But God said, tomorrow at this time, I'm delivering every one of them up to you guys. That army doesn't stand a chance against the Lord. And you can think about that. You think about Joshua, God only needed to tell him that promise one time, but instead he repeats it to him and he reminds him. And here's the thing, God only had to tell us one time that he loves us, but aren't you glad that he tells us over and over again that he loves us, not just in his word, but he shows it with us. Aren't you glad that uh, we only needed to hear the gospel where Jesus Christ died for our sins? We only needed to hear it one time. Really, that's it. And God could say, well, uh, you know, you you rejected it. You didn't like it. You had... You were other things on your mind. You were too busy. You were waiting for a more convenient season. But aren't you glad that he sent the gospel through another time to us, uh, even though he only needed to tell us once? Aren't you glad that uh, uh, he only had to tell us once if we trust in Jesus Christ, uh, our sins are forgiven? Uh, but aren't there some times where you wonder from time to time, maybe things aren't feeling good. Uh, maybe you, the emotions aren't matching up to what God's word says and you feel like you're not saved. Aren't you glad God 
God reminds us that we're a child of his. He doesn't have to do that more than once. I'm glad my salvation is secure. I'm glad. Here's the thing. He only had to call me to preach once. But aren't you glad that every once in a while he reminds you you're in the right place? I say thank you, Lord, for that because I need that. I don't know about you. Uh, Throughout the Bible, we have reminder after reminder of God's promise. And here's the thing. Anytime you and I see a promise that's repeated, we should say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because you know we need to hear it more than once. Praise God. What happens in verse 7? So Joshua came and all the people of war with him against them by the waters of Miram suddenly and they fell upon them. You want to know the key to Joshua's success? You want to know the key to this book and how he was successful? He doesn't go send out spies like they did with Moses. He doesn't ask for counsel. He doesn't ask other people, what do you think we should do and take a vote on it? He doesn't lay out a fleece like Gideon. He just takes God at his word and he immediately obeys and follows God's instructions. Because here's the truth. The more you, you and I start contemplating and thinking about it, and start running the numbers, and the logic starts, uh, wheels start turning, the more likely we are to not do what God's told us to do. That's just the truth. The more we think about it, the less likely we're going to do it. And you know what Joshua did? He said, okay, Lord, if you said tomorrow at this time, we are going to go tomorrow at this time, and we're going to go against the enemy. And that's what we need to do. Verse 8. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel who smote them and chased them under the great Sidon. And, uh, and they smote them until they left none, left them none remaining. You see what happened? As soon as Joshua did what the Lord told him to do. In fact, verse 7 has kind of a strange wording. Uh, Joshua acted, what does it say? He suddenly... He, he suddenly, even quicker than anyone imagined, went against the enemy. And as soon as he did that, the Lord delivered the enemy into the hand of Israel. The Lord gave the instructions and he waited for Joshua to respond. Joshua followed his orders from the Lord and the Lord did exactly what he promised to do and gave him the victory. That's an easy formula, isn't it? Right? God gave the promise. God gave the instructions. Joshua followed the instructions. The Lord did what he said he would do. And now we have a victory. And you're thinking, well, that doesn't make for good TV, right? That's not a great plot twist and everything else. No, this is what God wants us to do. You don't have to have all the drama and everything else if we just take God at his word and do it. I know it's hard. I'm preaching to myself as well. And you know what? I think some of the, I think some of us are waiting for God to move in an area in our life, aren't we? We're waiting for God to do something. We're waiting for God to open up a door, We're waiting for God to help us with a decision or something like that. And in all reality, God is waiting for us to obey what he's already told us to do. Ouch. Right? The quicker we obey the Lord, the quicker the Lord responds every time in the whole Bible. Right? When he tells you to do something, not when we're waiting on an answer from the Lord or waiting. No, when he gives instructions, the only delay is us every time. 
And Joshua, verse 9, Joshua did unto them as the Lord bade him. He hewed their horses, burnt their chariots with fire. And Joshua at that time uh, turned back and took Hazor, smote the king thereof with the sword. For Hazor before time was the head of all those kingdoms. And they smote all the souls that were within with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was not any left to breathe. And he burnt Hazor with fire. And again, this is another example like this morning. You've got three verses that could have been one verse. So God is making it crystal clear of exactly what Joshua did, which is what he was supposed to do. He said, listen, those horses, I don't want you to use them for war. I want you to hamstring every one of them. I don't want you to suddenly think you need horses uh, and your military to take the enemy. That's what he's saying. Because isn't that what would have happened? They would have taken all of them and they said, you know what? Now we've got uh, cavalry, right? We, we didn't have this before. Now we've got it. The next enemy we face we're going to trust in the horses and the chariots, right? He said, no, you're going to, I want you to keep trusting in me. And so I don't want you to take the enemy's uh, strategy. I don't want you to take the enemy's ideas. I don't want you to take their tools or anything else. I want you to continue to trust me. And that is the truth. We don't need the enemy's plans. We don't need their programs. We don't need their strategies for anything. And it's hard because they have ideas for everything. I don't know if you knew that. They know how to do every single thing outside of what God says to do. And we don't need it. We don't need it for the mind. Right? We don't need it for career. We don't need it for education. We don't need it for uh, raising a family, for finding uh, uh, you know, the, someone to uh, start a family. We don't need any of that stuff. We need to follow what God said. But here's the thing. I was looking at Hazor, and archaeologists found this city, and they realized how, it took them a while, but they realized how big it was. Because at first, there's kind of an upper part of the city, and then a lower part of the city. They found the upper part first, and thought that was it, and then realized there was an even larger lower city. It was ten times as big as Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem. That's how big the city the biggest city in the promised land. So not only was it the biggest, it was the richest. The Bible says it was the head of that whole area. They all came together and God said, I want you to destroy all of it. In those days in, in Israel, what they do in, this, in that area in those days, if a city was destroyed or something happened, they just built right on top of it. So what you have is you've got layers and archaeologists dig down and they find those layers. And guess what? They found the layer where it was burnt to nothing. And then it goes a little higher. Guess what? They found another layer. Because later on in the time of the judges, they burn it again. They found the second time it burned. Exactly like the Bible said. That shouldn't surprise us. But what we learned was how big it was. See, you don't really get that. You, you kind of get the idea that it's a good-sized city, that, it, that all those things. But it was the richest. It was the most powerful. It was the largest. Had the most pagan activity and everything else. Yet it was no match for God. Right? But here's the thing for Joshua. Jericho was a big deal. Chapter 10, five kings come together. That was even harder. This was even harder than that. And I don't know about you, as you draw closer to the Lord, these things start happening, don't they? 
what you thought was a challenge before almost seems like nothing to the new challenge. But what's great is we can take the same trust that we put in the Lord before and we can take that same faith that we put in the Lord before and we can watch him do what he said he would do and we can translate that to the new challenge. And all it does is get us to trust God more, right? Uh, we realize who God is not as much through the Bible. We realize who God is through trials. We realize who God is by trusting him. If we never trusted him, if we never needed him, we would not know much about him because we trusted ourselves. Here's the thing. Things will get harder from time to time, but that's all right. God will show himself even more true. God will show us even more power. And I like what the preacher said. Uh, I think it was last Sunday night. He said, if we want to see God do the impossible, we have to get into impossible situations. And that's what they were right here. God said, I'll be with you. Nobody's going to stand against you. Well, that's easy when it's small. It's not as easy when it gets bigger. And then when it's so big, you can't even tell how big the army is. It's really tough. Now, what about you today? Do you have a Hazor and his group of armies? You've got a problem like that? You know what God wants you to do? Trust me like you always have. Right? It's easy to say. It's hard to do. But that's what God wants. And that's what you see in Joshua. You don't see a lot of drama. You see him asking the Lord and you see the Lord responding. You see Joshua trusting and you see victory. You know what God wants? Us to follow the same pattern. I believe the same thing. But the only way you'll know what God wants is if you ask him. And then after you ask him, you have to listen. And then we can put our trust in God. Complete obedience, complete obedience, sudden obedience. And the Lord responded just like he said he would. I'm glad we have a God like that. And just like this morning, remember this morning, there were so many, so many demons in that one man, the biggest. We've got this, this army he's against might be the biggest uh, in the whole Old Testament that they faced. I don't know, but if, if not the biggest, one of the biggest. And God levels it like it's nothing. That's the God we serve. I, I hope today you've realized how powerful God is. He tries to show us in his word. But more than that, he'll show us in our own lives. Because he's able to use that power through us if we'll let him. I'm going to ask everyone to stand.